Hello and welcome to episode three of my podcast called Winter Faith with Fraser. Today is episode episode number three, Teardrops on a Yoga Mat. Once again, today is my third episode. My name is Andy and this is Teardrops on a Yoga Mat. Now this might be an odd title to you and you might be trying to figure out, but let's just forget the title and we will come back later. All right, so let's get into it. In last week's episode, we talked about the story of Job and John and disorder, the disorder that we face in our lives, and we will come back and tell more about those characters later. Uh, Two weeks ago, I shared some of my personal pain and loss and memories and friendships, and if you follow my work uh, through my website, andrewgfraser.com, you know that my passion is grief grace, and goodness, and that's really what I believe my life work is called to be about. You see, my passion is grief, and in our culture today, we ignore grief. We ignore death. We ignore ignore and do not address a lot of pains in our life, Um, and this is something that I have done. This is something that we have all done. We've tried to escape grief and pain um, through whatever means possible. And so, really, uh, my life's work as far as a career, but just personally, is, okay, how do I help people deal with grief in a healthier way? Um, As a hospital chaplain, as a minister, as a person who has just been in sales and retail, um, I've always been around people who are grieving, and I believe probably you have always been around people that are grieving in your own life um, as well. So if we take time to have deep conversations with people around us, um, we all have some kind of grief. Uh, Nobody escapes life by having a perfect life with no pain, with no loss. Um, And uh, also, I do feel like if we're open to deep conversations, sometimes grief um, is drawn to us. I know for me, um, when I reflect as a kid and I think about going um, at school lunch, trying to find the table to sit at with my friends, or, or maybe you relate more to being done uh, with church on a Sunday morning, and you're going to have lunch at church, and you're trying to figure out where to sit at a restaurant with friends, or you come into a restaurant, and you're trying to meet with your friends, and, you, and you know, you're trying to go and, and sit next to them and, and figure out where they are. Uh, sometimes I feel like grief has just kind of come down and just sat next to me in my life. So here's a few examples. Uh, I was in the grocery store a few weeks ago. I went to buy a drink, and as I was checking out and paying for my drink, I asked the cashier, you know, just casually how he was doing today. A lot of times people just say, you know, we're doing fine. Well, this cashier on this day, he says, well, I'm not having my best day. And I said, oh, well, okay, what's, you know, what's going on? And he says, my best friend just died, and he does not want to be at work right now. And I said, I'm very sad to hear that his friend died, and I really appreciated his honest answer to that question. Um, The person I was with in the grocery store was just kind of amazed that this person had said that to me. Like, did I say anything to get that conversation started? And no, I didn't do anything out of the ordinary. Just buying a drink at a grocery store, this guy confesses that or tells me that. Uh, Another example, a few days ago, um, I was walking to a coffee shop uh, on, I was in the middle of a parking lot. This guy kind of comes out 
literally kind of like through bushes, kind of strange. He comes out and he asks for some money. Um, I said I wasn't going to give him money, but I would go, uh, you know, we could go across the street and get something to eat. So we walked across the street and this guy had memorized how long uh, the light waits to change. It took three and a half minutes, he said, for the lights to change. So I stood with him for three and a half minutes. And then we walked over to the fine establishment of Burger King. And I bought him some food. And I don't know if he was surprised or not, but I bought myself food. And I went and we got a table and we sat next to each other. And this guy, I just looked him at the eye and I just asked him maybe some questions that he wasn't ready for. I'm not sure. But, you know, I just asked him where he lived, where he sleeps, where does he get money. Uh, he kind of answered all those questions. And then he kind of came back and asked me questions about my life, my education, where I grew up. And we just had this conversation and we shook hands and we left um, Burger King and I just felt for the guy. I was sad because his life and upbringing was much different than my life and upbringing. Uh, my heart was sad and I really didn't know what to do other than just be thankful for my life but at the same time, you can't help but wondering, like, what is his life going to be like the rest of this afternoon? Um, so just in that moment, that is a story of grace. That is a story of grief and goodness all at the same time, all in one story. So what is grief and how do we help people who are in grief? Number one, grief is a loss of a connection. This is so, so true. It's not a loss of a good connection or a bad connection. If you are connected to somebody, you will grieve the loss of someone or something. For example, a person who grieves the death, death of an abusive father, they're not just grieving the death of that father, but they're also grieving the death of the good father they never had. Um, a grief expert, David um, Kessler, he says that you know, grief is not something that happens when we're indifferent. Um, so that's why, yeah, we have a terrible relationship with this abusive father. Why am I crying when I find out that this father died? Well, because you are connected to that father. And also, you deserved a better father. And so you are grieving that loss of a good father that you never, ever had. And you deserved a good father. Also, uh, grief happens when we're connected and we don't even know the person. For example, when the comedian and actor Robin Williams died, I was grieving. I was connected to Robin Williams. I loved his movies. When my first movie that I ever saw in a movie theater was Aladdin, and Robin Williams plays my favorite character, the genie. And what was that trigger? Why did I feel connected to Robin Williams? Well, I was connected to his joy, to his passion, to his humor and kind of his friendship, which maybe seems odd because I never met him. In many ways, I'm nothing like him, but I felt connected to Robin Williams. And so I grieved when I found out that he had taken his own life. Also, grief is not just about death. We grieve relationships. We grieve divorces. We grieve our childhood because it's not there anymore. We grieve our child's childhood because they are growing older. We grieve moving to a new city. We grieve the loss of a job. Um, grief is not just death. Really, a more accurate description of what grief is, is grief is change. And this happens. We all go through change in life. 
and change is a part of life, and therefore grief is a part of life. So next, how do we deal and help with those who are in grief? A very, very common thing that I hear is, well, I don't know what to say. Um, so I, I, wrote, I gave you this title last week, but um, I'll give this title again. This is Andy's Super Dumb Things to Say to a Person in Grief. So here we go. Andy's Super Dumb Things to Say to a Person in Grief. Number one, don't worry, they're in a better place now. Theologically speaking, if you believe in some sort of afterlife, this could be theologically correct. You could be completely theologically, biblically, philosophically, morally, ethically um, correct. They might be in a better place. But to sell someone don't worry, that is not helpful in the grieving process. So, number two, I know how you feel. I've lost close ones and loved ones too. David Kessler says, grief is unique as our fingerprints. And so we all process grief differently, just like we nobody has the same exact fingerprints. We all have unique fingerprints. We all are unique people. We all grieve unique. No one knows what your grief is like. And the moment that we try to compare grief, you know, I'm going to compare the grief of my divorce to the grief of your um, loss of a pet to your loss of a loved one, to your loss of somebody you were married to 55 years. No one knows your grief, and so comparing your grief to someone is not helpful. And no, you don't know how I feel, and I don't know how you feel, because you are unique in the eyes of God, and you are created in the eyes of God in such a unique way. No one on planet Earth is like you. No one knows what you feel like. No one knows what you are experiencing in grief just like no one knows what you're experiencing in love, in joy, in grace. And so it is not helpful in the process of grief to tell someone, I know how you feel. No, you don't. Number three, just get over it. It's been long enough. Just get over it. It's been long enough. There is no time limit on grief. Not one year, not three months, no timeline. Uh, when, my parent, when my grandparents died, um, I didn't know how long it would take to recover. I didn't know how long it would take to get through it, but I know that my life will never be the same. Uh, the death of my friend Gary is in a, in a very similar way. Life will never, never be the same. I had a broken engagement uh, with my fiance Vicky, and my life will never be the same. Um, I can't just get over it because time has built a scar. My grief has built a scar. And although that scar may be healed, um, it's still a scar. So we can't, you know, we can't compare this timeline thing. Um, we all go through something. And so you can't rush and you can't slow down the process of grief. There's no clock when it comes to grief. Um, number four, everything happens for a reason, so don't question it. Yes, there is a time for everything, but yes, we don't know the reason for everything, and no one knows 100% if everything happens for a reason. Once again, this could be theologically and philosophically correct for your life, but telling someone everything happens for a reason is not helpful. This downplays a person's pain and loss. This does not acknowledge a person's pain, loss, grief. 
and pain. Um, so don't say uh, during points of acute grief, um, just listen. Um, this gets into a little bit of, of what I think we need to do um, to help a person heal. But to say everything happens for a reason, um, or there is a time for everything, or you know God planned this out, that could be correct, but that is just not helpful in those moments of grief uh, for families and loved ones. Uh, number five that I've heard is be strong, don't cry, have faith. This is something um, that I hear a lot, and one of the things, this, this correlation that I'm not sure where we got it from, but um, being strong or being weak, that really has nothing to do with your faith. Um, people grieve and have pain, and they cry because of the connection they've lost. People are strong and people are weak at all various times, and that's okay. Um, sometimes we see when people are weak and vulnerable, we see it as a strength. For example, when I see someone um, confess sin and weep and cry in front of a large group of people, I think, wow, that person is so bold and so brave and has so much courage. That person is strong. Look at how that person cried in, in front of all these people. Um, so sometimes we see that as a strength, and so we say, be strong. But really, that it has nothing to do with strength or being strong. It has everything to do with just acknowledging pain and being vulnerable and being real and authentic. And being able to cry doesn't mean you have faith or don't have faith. People of faith cry. People of no faith cry. It is a human experience to cry because our body is overwhelmed. And so we have tears that come out of our body because we are overwhelmed because that is the way our body was designed. So don't tell someone, be strong, don't cry, have faith. Those things are not connected to the real struggle of the human experience of grieving the change in your life. All right, so there's obviously more things that could be said about those, but I just want to review once again Andy's super dumb things to say to a person in grief. Don't worry. I know how you feel. Get over it. Everything happens for a reason. Be strong. Don't cry. Have faith. These are some of the things I do not personally find helpful. And I hope that you agree with me, but you're more than welcome to disagree with me. And I appreciate any feedback that you can give me. I'm all for feedback. Let me have it. All right, let's move on to Andy's super wise things to say to a friend that is grieving. This is probably a bad title because it's actually more like Andy's super wise things to do rather than say to a person in grief, although there are helpful vocalized words that we can say. However, let's start with number one. Listen to your friend. Listen to your friend. If they want to talk, let them talk. If they don't want to talk, don't let them, you know, don't make them talk. Just be with them. Number two, ask if you can call them tomorrow and the next day in order to listen. Don't tell someone, hey, if you need anything, call. They're in grief. They don't have time to think about calling you. So you tell them, I did this to a friend a few weeks ago, hey, it's uh, tomorrow at 7 p.m., can I call you? And they said, yeah, I think that would work. 
So you be the assertive one. You be the person who says, hey, can I call you tomorrow and just listen, see how you're doing? Yeah, I think they would probably appreciate that. Give a person a hug and sit with them. Number three, give them a hug and sit with them in silence. Physical touch, very overwhelming, very powerful. Just holding someone's hand while they talk, very powerful. Number four, I think this is one that uh, maybe a lot of us know. Go buy somebody some ice cream, go for a walk with them, go buy them a candy bar, bring them chocolate. Dark chocolate specifically is helpful. So this is a very helpful thing. Go and do something for a friend and there's something about food that is very comforting. There's a reason we call it comfort food, people. So number four, buy them some ice cream, go for a walk with uh, your friend in grief. Number five, write them a note saying that you love them saying that you're with them. Um, there's all sorts of great um, notes and words that are powerful that you can, you can send. And people remember those notes that you give them. People, I still have notes. I have, a, I have a whole box of people that have written me notes over the years, and I keep them and I reread them, especially when I'm down. Those are very powerful, helpful things. Um, number six, shut up and listen to them without trying to fix their problems. Um, you can't fix their problems, first off, so stop trying to fix their problems. Number seven, tell them you love them and you really want to help them with chores around their house. Mow somebody's lawn, do the dishes for them, bring them dinner, um, get the mail for them, deliver packages for them, whatever it is, you know, whatever odd th jobs that you can do for someone, taking out the trash, um, cleaning somebody's house, these are really helpful things. To people in grief and, and something that maybe you know we think we're too prideful to take out the trash or do the dishes or mow the lawn I don't know I don't know why we don't do those things but it requires work and it's a really it's a really good thing really good thing to do um, and you know number eight this probably could be higher on the list these are by no means any sort of order of priority these are just things I think are helpful um, ask them to tell you about the person that they lost, you know, your, your friend, um, your friend, what was he like? Um, your mom, what was she like? Tell me about that person. People find a lot of joy of allowing people to tell their story because we all have stories. We're all a big collection of stories. And when we can tell those stories, it helps the grieving process. Um, so those are, they're by no means perfect words to say. When I think about those five dumb things, let's not judge ourselves. Let's be kind of ourselves. I've said all five of those things to people. I probably still will say all five of those things to people because it's so ingrained um, in me. But we, we have a chance to learn and do better. Um, and so let's remember, hey, we, we can do better. We can learn Um my boss has this theory about um, action, reflection, action, um, that, that that's how we learn. We do something, we reflect, we reflect on what we did, and then we do something again in a more positive way. So I've been as a chaplain with families who are having their loved ones die, that are actively dying, that have died, that will die, and these are sacred moments that I share with the family. And so I might say things like, hey, I'm with you. 
hey, I'm here to help. But most of the time I'm talking with people and I'm sitting with people. When I come into a situation of, of high stress, I might come up to the person of the loved one that's actively dying and I might ask that wife of the dying patient, um, would you mind if I stand with you if she is standing? Would you mind if I sit with you if she is sitting? sitting? The power of presence is overwhelming and precious. To be with people in those moments, it allows people to grieve and feel comfort. Uh, we don't need more words. We need more people willing to listen and more people willing to be present. So it's not what can I do for you, it's how can I be with you right now. So grieving with people is an honor. And because we grieve hard, we love hard. So if you are grieving, it's a symbol of your connection and your love. And so we, we must remember this. We must remember that we don't grieve because we are indifferent. And when we think about the stages of grief, I'm sure that this is a common thing that you've heard from Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who came up with this serial, a series of grief stages a long time ago. And uh, there's a famous thing that when Elizabeth Kubler-Ross was dying, she had a lot of anger, and so people were uncomfortable with her anger. And so people, uh, she had this line that, oh, people love my stages of grief. They just don't want me to be in any of the stages of grief. And so, of course, those um, stages of grief are, are something very uh, meaningful, and I'm sure many of us have uh, experienced all stages of grief. And this, the five stages of grief are denial and along with denial can come depression, along with depression can come anger, along with that anger and depression, um, eventually it can come into acceptance, and also there's this stage of bargaining, and there's in no way an order. Some people skip stages, some people never accept, some people never are in denial. Some people are never in anger. Some people are never depressed. And some people go through all of them. And so we must remember that, yeah, there is death. There is this denial, this anger, this bargaining, this depression, this acceptance. But we don't go through these in order. We don't stay in them long enough. And um, just so I can give you a reference, this comes from Elizabeth Cupola Ross's book, Death and Dying, from 1969. And so a lot of times people don't want us to be in these stages, um, but it's just helpful to know them. And so we grieve hard because we love hard. I grieve because I love, and this is just something I just, I don't think I can say it enough times. I think we need reminders of that because we can have a lot of shame about our sadness, and we can have a lot of people who don't want us to be sad. A lot of times in my profession as a hospital chaplain, I see people, um, they want to rush people through stages, whether it's families, whether it's staff members. We don't like seeing people sad. It's, it's discomforting to us. It's discouraging to us. But there's something beautiful about being sad with people and accepting people as they are.
So you, I started off this episode called Teardrops on a Yoga Mat, and I'm going to come back to that right now. So I'm going to close this episode with something that happened to me yesterday. Um, yesterday I went to a yoga class at the YMCA. It was about an hour-long class. And so we did yoga. There was music. There was an instructor. Instructor. There were other people in the room. It was an atmosphere of peace and reflection as you do yoga. It's very calming to your body and to your mind. And my mind and body need a break sometimes. And I need to do yoga and have meditation and have prayer. This has always been helpful to me. And there's times feelings come and go. We don't know when feelings are going to come. We can't really control feelings. And during this class... After about an hour, um, we were in the child's pose, which it's kind of like you're, you're on kind of your stomach laying down your arms and just, or you're on your back and laying down and just kind of taking it all in after working your body for a while. We just need time to relax. And the instructor said, uh, remember those who have gone before us because they make us better. Remember those who have gone before us. Help us to honor them because they make us better those who have come and those who have gone. And as she's repeating these words, I'm thinking about my grandparents. I had four grandparents who are all gone. They've all died in the last um, seven, eight years. I had four amazing, amazing grandparents, and I grieve them every day. I miss them every day. And if I get married, they won't be at my wedding. And when I graduated grad school and college, they weren't there. And if I ever have a child, they won't meet that child. And I grieve their death, and I grieve the fact that they won't see and experience these things in my life. And as I hear those words in a comfortable and relaxing mood and reflective state, I begin to cry. And as I'm crying, these teardrops fall on my yoga mat. And I am grateful for those tears because it shows me that I am connected. I am connected to them. And so it's not that I am indifferent. It's about connection. Grief is about connection. So thank God for those tears. Thank God for your ability to be connected to people, for your ability to be connected to yourself emotionally and spiritually and mentally and physically. All these things, like I talked about in, in episode one, when we are connected, we are connected physically, emotionally, spiritually. All these things are connected. And so when we hold somebody's hand, that physical connection allows them to share their story and allows them to grieve. It allows them to accept changes because grief is about change. And we all go through changes and we all grieve. And the only way to heal is to feel. The only way we have healing is through feeling. So if you're numb, you're not going to heal. If you're escaping, you're not going to heal. Well, that is my conclusion for this episode. I thank you again so much for listening to me. This is my episode three. Please leave feedback on Facebook and Twitter. And I now have Winter Faith with Fraser is on iTunes. Please leave a review. That very much helps me. Um, you can also check out andrewgfraser.com. I will list some of the things I've talked about on my website. And I just ask you to please give me feedback. I'm welcome to positive feedback, to negative feedback. Probably not indifferent feedback, but if you want to be indifferent, you know, any kind of feedback is good. So um, this has been Andy, 
And this has been another episode of Winter Faith with Fraser. Thanks for listening. Take care. See you next week. Years ago